buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronnie and Gary Callagher here from Remax. Gary, good morning. How are you doing, sir? Well, Jim, I know I know we're not as warm as you. I know you're not as warm as you should be. But how the heck are you doing down in the uh, southeastern part of this country? I had to wear a, um, a spring coat yesterday. A light oh. jacket, so it's a little bit. That's uh, a little bit chilly, but that's all right. Um, everything's everything's going great. I've got uh, two sets of friends down here from the Northland. Um, I was telling them, you know, I understand you wanted to get out of the extreme cold, but you picked like the the worst four or five days in the world to come, or in in, in recent history anyway, because it's been it's been in the fifties, and you know. Um, they already had uh, rooms at the at, on Fort Myers Beach. I, I can't imagine. I didn't go with them, but I can't imagine it was a uh, it was that nice being in the fifties. So, oh well. Oh well, it happens. And you were saying that you got the cold snap is finally gone. Well, that extreme one that we've had the last I don't know yeah. two or three weeks, it's it's gone. It's it's been a little chilly this week, but uh, right. I heard uh, fifteen had- below uh, in Minneapolis. Um, couple of days ago you know so yeah the air the, that was the air temp i mean it was i think it was 17 18 below air temp up here um but uh but you know surprisingly you know we always talk about how some of this extreme weather puts a damper on the housing activity up in, in the, the twin ports market here and uh i gotta say that i think the, the twin ports market's been a little bit robust here recently yeah how much uh, snow do you have on the ground kicking in. i think we have um, I, I just read some of the statistics yesterday. I think we have had 17 inches of snow this month in January, and I, I believe it's about a 14 inch a month average. And I think the actual snow depth on the ground is 12 or 14 inches right now. So we, we got some snow, but uh, uh, but the, but but going back to the real estate market because of some of this extreme weather and the cold and everything. Yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. And I had a, a a showing earlier this week on one of the super cold mornings, and it was uh, like nine thirty a.m. in the morning that I had to meet these people there, and and it was chilly. And we got in the house, and this was a, this was a nice house. It was one of those houses that was built in the sixties up in the Duluth Heights market, and uh, uh, we got in there just well taken care of, nice windows, and you can tell when you walk into these houses that. You know, sometimes you'll feel a, dra- a draft. Right, You exactly. know, if a house doesn't have good windows or they're inefficient or the basement or whatever, you, you just feel it, you know. And this is one of those houses where it was solid and uh, it was it was good. It felt good. And uh, uh, I know there were multiple offers on it. We had received the notification. So um, good to see that the market is coming back up here and uh, the activity levels regardless of this weather that we're having up here seems to be stable. Right, exactly. 
Well, and you know, I always used to think that it had a it had the cold didn't have as much effect as you know if if we were like piled with snow. Um, right. Yeah. So you don't have one of those years going on yet where you have just tons of snow. So it, it it's probably a, a good thing for that market. So. Well, so what's what's what can we attribute to some of this early season activity, Jim? And uh, you know the. Um, the Case Shiller report came out, and they had some of the November um, uh, numbers that came up. And this was uh, uh, this is going back to uh, late last year, and they seem to be think showing signs that the market is starting to slow. And although the price increases are still up, the increases are down from year-over-year statistics. And so um, that indicates to them that maybe we're going to start to see somewhat of a slowdown in it. And the the biggest uh, detriment that they're saying now to this is the rise in interest rates. Right. Um, And the um, it's pricing some of the people out of the market now because a conventional, Jim, your 30-year conventional mortgage rate is just at 4%. It's at 3.99 this week. And we haven't seen that for quite some time. Um, and the FHA 30-year terms at 4.63, and the VA 30-year term is at 4.5. So these mortgage interest rates have gone up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, will that affect the market? Uh, I think it will affect some people, but ultimately, I don't think it's going to like put much of a damper here, especially here locally, Joe. Right. I don't know how your market is doing down there, but I think we're going we're we're poised again to see a very big spring market up here in the Twin Ports. Right. I, you know what? I think um, I read in the paper the other day that yeah, they're they're using and they're going to try to curb inflation. You know, with um, you know by raising the interest rates a little bit, and uh, yeah. It's always what we we thought was going to happen. They've been talking about it. Now, it, it, you know, just yesterday down here, it made the front page of the paper that that was the plan, you know. So, yeah, anyway. Well, uh, I'm just doing Jim, some calculation here on, on how much, um, uh, how much of, uh, between a 3% interest rate and a 4%. So, um, it's, it's significant enough, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's and depending on the dollar amount, I mean it's it's uh, quite a bit. It can be quite a bit more. I mean, you're talking, you know, you start, you know, you get an average sale price of the high twos that we have up in this market, and you start exceeding that, you know, one percent of interest on uh, a four hundred thousand dollar home. That's an additional, uh, well, almost five thousand dollars a year. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that, I- that's significant. A one percent increase is is going to add about uh, on a hundred thousand dollars is going to add about about forty five dollars. So every hundred thousand, about forty five thousand dollars for that one percent or forty five dollars um, for every month for that one percent increase over from three to four. So it's going to come. It's 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 impacting what uh, what the market is is able to bear as far as value goes. And uh, yeah, I still uh, let me ask you this question, Gary. Um, have you seen an uptick, uptick in inventory or days on market yet, or has that not affected it yet? Definitely have seen an uptick in the inventory coming into the marketplace. Days on the market at this point, it's not being affected. 
I think we're, you know, these houses are coming on the market. Um, and one of the things that you can see when they come on the market on our MLS systems is you can see the number of real estate agents that have clicked on them and the number of clients that have clicked on them that are within the email systems. Right, right. You can look at it and you can see that these new listings are getting significant clicks on them. Uh, and so that to me indicates that there's there there are agents obviously looking at these things, but but the buyers too and the good strength of the numbers of the buyers looking at these. So, um, you know, again, I think it, that, that just equates to... Uh, you know, uh, a continuing strong market. And, uh, you know, the lack of availability of homes, I think, is still going to continue to be, um, you know, the story this year as we go into this marketplace unless something happens. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got several buyers that have had to adjust their price range um, because of some of the rates, you know, and, and the affordability aspect of it all. Um, down here, it's the, the the values have gone up so much that a new buyer coming into the market is is somewhat shocked about you know how much money they're going to have to pay for a three bedroom, two bathroom house, you know, in certain areas. Um, and I am working with a couple of people from up in the in in the Twin Ports area that are you know moving down here, and uh, that sticker shock is alive and well. So. Well, I know uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk about an interesting story that you uncovered this week that are showing some of the, what they call emerging markets. And so that's uh, be interesting to, to uh, see what those markets are and, uh, uh, you know, how that affects uh, how, how migration is going on for people, you know, within the country where they're moving to and, and what's causing that. You know, I think that these are all significant issues, you know, to keep an eye on. Right. And I heard that the uh, we're going to have a little bit of discussion about the cozy. Um, so and that's all well, I don't know be... how much time we got, but the cozy's back in the well, news. And I'll tell you something, it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, we got enough time. Why don't you give out our phone numbers here? Why don't you start with you and then uh, we'll take a break and come back and get into it. Folks, you can reach me at 218-390-0615. And I have several buyers that I'm looking for houses in all price ranges all markets if you haven't put your house on the market yet and would like a one-time showing save a few bucks on the real estate fees give me a call all right yeah and if you want anything down here in florida i'm in punta gorda florida which is close to fort myers um my number is uh, 218-348-7653 so gary let's do that let's take our first break here and we'll come right back folks you're tuned into the twin ports real estate show stay right there cool Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronding and Gary Callagher here from Remax. All right, Gary, we're back. And um, why don't we talk about the cozy first? Because I, you told me that that was back in the news, and I pulled up my old uh, Duluth News Tribune. Um, and I am looking at an article right now, so let's talk about it. Well, you know, the cozy is... Um, been an ongoing right. story on, our, on this show for quite some time. And the uh, and I and I seriously felt with this the last ruling that was a month or so ago that we were going to start to see the end game on this thing. Right. But it, it turns out that I don't think we're we're anywhere near the end game on this. And so the um, uh, the story that broke this week was uh, 
that there's not going to be a quick decision on the cozy and that the uh the judge uh has uh put he he scheduled a uh, uh an evidentiary hearing for july 5th and 6th yeah see that and the city has uh until um march 15th to produce their expert reports and the uh the um uh, the other party has the until April to produce their uh, reports, and then they've sent this hearing for July. So um, that you know, this is going to, and even what this ultimately what this decides, according to the story here, uh, whatever the local judge here decides, I think if the uh, uh, the other side. Uh, doesn't agree with it uh, if they rule in favor of the city and uh, the other party doesn't agree with it they're going to go back to the court of appeals and 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 the uh, uh, their attorney actually indicated that that ultimately everybody knows that this is going to go back to the court of appeals right yeah so, so which is where it's been <laughs> you know well uh, How many times have, has the, the city of Duluth been taken to court over this or taken the other party to the court? It's just crazy. I, I, again, I just don't get, and I'll continue to say this, why we even have to deal with this thing on this level. This building is an eyesore. It's blight. Uh, I wish the city had uh, a, a little bit more... Gu- they, they, the governing of this thing wasn't so uh, charged by the courts, you know, or, or, or be able to be held up in courts because the building is, is basically a useless building. And it's like, right. what's the point of these people wanting to keep this building here? They, it makes no sense. And they've got to be paying their attorney fees. I mean, this isn't this is costing them money. And if they don't, if they lose and ultimately that building gets torn out, I mean, it, this is just it's just one of those things when you get into a lawsuit Nobody wins at the end of the day, you know. I mean, it's 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 not that nobody wins, but if they if the, the people bringing these lawsuits don't win, boy, this will have cost them a lot of money at the end of the day. And if they do win, what does that mean? It means that we have to continue as a city to like look at this thing and be involved in this thing. Well, know? yeah. Let's and let's say that the city loses um, ultimately. Okay, I, I don't believe I'd like to ask these people. Do you have plans, um, you know, to to remedy the condition of this building? Are you going to throw the millions of dollars at it that it's that it, that's needed? You know, and I and I I kind of think that personally, I, I just would be curious if they have any kind of a plan in hand or any of the money to do it. So, well, I keep going back to this, Jim. If somebody were interested in developing that building, they would have come out of the woodwork. I mean, this has been several years that this right. has been dealing, we've been dealing with this. And there was some initial energy to get these developers to do that. But where are they? Right. And this is, this is, a, this is a terrible... I, I would say this. If the people bringing the lawsuit could, you know, have some level of like, hey... Can we keep a part of the foundation for the historical significance and always recognize that, hey, there's a piece of this building in whatever we do here. 
you know, even if it's a parking lot, we can develop some of that foundation, keep some of the brick, do whatever, you know, to keep the recognition of that, the history of that building, uh, that that will always be there. But to keep this ongoing saga with this like dilapidated building going on, and uh, just it's it's one of those things where we all shrug our shoulders and just say, "Come on." Yeah, I mean it's it's been going on for what is it four over four years now, right? I think it's yeah. It's I think this lawsuit's been going on for four years. I think right. the uh, developers, you know, when they were just trying to do that, that's been going on. So this is going on probably close to ten years worth of time that we've been dealing with this thing, and and uh, and really, Jim, I look at this in a very simple way. This comes down to to me one thing: is the what the uh, the owner of this building, Eric Ringsworth, did not have home, uh, in, insurance on that building when that fire occurred. Right. If he would have had that building insured, we would not be here dealing with this right now. Exactly. And that to me is like you know he's. He's culpable on 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 the the uh, uh, what what is going on here be, simply because of his negligence in not carrying insurance on the building and, and so um, yeah yeah I but anyways, we're going to keep talking about this for till it's over and, I know yeah I mean it's 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 been, it's been in our our wheelhouse for years and years and years so um, yeah, anyway I, I yeah I actually can't wait to not talk about it anymore. <laughs> but anyway, so let's do this. Let's move on, Gary, to something else. Yeah. You had a good story that you uncovered this week, Jim, and uh, uh, dealt with some emerging markets. And interestingly enough, I'll let you talk about this, but uh, um, some of them were in your neck of the woods. Yep. Um, yeah, it says the Wall Street Journal. It's a combination between the Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com. They analyzed the three large, 300 largest metropolitan areas, um, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the top two are in, in Florida, Naples, um, and then Northport, Sarasota, Bradenton. So Northport, for me, just so you understand, Northport is probably only about 40 miles um, from me straight north. Um, those are those are number one and number two, and then you know you go to number six. That's Cape Coral. That's another forty miles. Cape Coral, Fort Myers. So that's another forty miles south of me. And then when you go down to number fifteen, boy, there's Punta Gorda. So they consider this a, a, a major market. I, I don't know how, but if you if you take the population in between, um, you know those those first ones that I mentioned, um, they're they, you know they're just developing everywhere. So that the population is. Uh, especially now, the population just explodes down here because the people from up north are down here now. Um, so traffic is, is a little bit thicker than usual and something like that. But it's amazing um, how many of the uh, how many of those those cities um, or areas are in Florida out of the top twenty. Well, this and this was the um, what they call the Emerging Housing Markets Index, and this this was from the Wall Street Journal, and and what they did was. Uh, this, these housing markets are evaluated based on a range of factors and they deal with it from real estate, economic vitality and the quality of life. Right. And the, the top emerging markets represent the places where home price growth is expected to be stellar while also having other attractive amenities. So, um, the, and one of the big thing is, is that the markets down there in Florida that you're talking about, 
they're considered to have some of the best beaches in the country. Right. In the world. And, well, that may be. I mean, yeah. but this this comes back to one of these things, Jim, where, you know, we've mentioned over the years that waterfront properties are very good investments. I don't care where they are. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, that may be a little bit, you know, over the top as a statement, but as a rule, waterfront properties are really good investments and they hold their value. And because they have this intangible uh, about them that I think you can't get with other properties. And I don't care if it's a lake or a river property, as long as the river doesn't dry up, you know? Right. Yeah. If it's flowing. But yep. yeah. And as, as you know, so, uh, and, and then Florida, and obviously I'm not a, I don't get down to Florida often, but um, it, you look at the pictures and it's just some of the most, most picturesque beachfront communities that, that I, I've seen. And, and, uh, you may be able to vouch for that, but. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting thing about the beach. You know, you, you, you talk about, you know, some of the best beaches are, are here. That is for sure. Um, and there is, if you look at the state of Florida, if you imagine you go all the way around the outside, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of miles of beachfront. Um, Gary, about 65% of that is privately owned. Uh, I read that a couple of weeks ago, and I never realized it was that high. I figured there was way more public beaches than than that. And what's coming to the news is is there's been some um, trespassing um, by by beachgoers, and some of the beach owners are getting rather aggressive um, with people on just walking by the waterfront in front of their house. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's creating a little bit of a stir down here because people walking by normally doesn't bother people, but I guess now it's starting to, um, you know, but um, it's, it's, it's very hard too to tell where the public beach stops and the private beach starts. So there have been fences put up. Uh, it's really kind of an eyesore, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun down here. I don't, I, I don't make it to the beach a lot. We're still about... We're still about 45 minutes from a from a good beach and that's fine with me because the closer you get the busier it gets you know in that whole community so um i kind of like the sleepy town here of of Panagora where uh, we're still a little bit slow even at at, at um at at high high um population um you know such as it is right now so but it's lovely i like it i, I don't think i'm gonna be moving back north um, well, where are you seeing uh, when people are coming down there buying houses? Are these people that are live within the state of Florida, or are these transplants coming from other areas? Um, yeah, I'm working with a lot of transplants. Of course, I put my I put my feelers out there for transplants. I mean, I I, I work with a lot of people from up there. Um, I have a lot of uh, a lot of customers and clients from the Twin Cities. Um, and here's the thing: it's the airlines have opened up immensely. There's way more flights this year to come into Punta Gorda or Fort Myers, even from you know from Duluth and from from Minneapolis and and from many 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 others. Um, so it's so easy to get here, and the competition of those flights have brought the have brought the prices down. So there's a lot of people, and every plane is full. 
there's a lot of people that are coming down here just to explore, um, to see if it's something that they would want to pursue as far as purchase goes. Some of them go back unhappy because of the pricing. Um, you know, for example, I, I, I mean, what would it cost to get a beachfront home down here? Well, I'm pretty sure you're, you're over a million dollars or, or darn close to it. Um, and, and that's probably, uh, you know, that goes without saying it's going to be, you know, at least 800,000. There's some, there's some of them that I know are for sale for about 800,000 and they've got, they've got beachfront, but it's not, it's not like the sandy loomy soil either. It's a, it's a little bit tougher of beach. So it just, it's amazing what the waterfront's going for. Do they do anything like we have up here or occasionally we had, you know, with what we call contract for deeds? Or land contracts where it'll be seller financing? No, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I know that it's the, it's the same as it is up there. I mean, if somebody wants to hold paper uh, on a property like that, they're usually looking at such a large down payment that if something were to go wrong, um, they have more than enough down payment to, to recapture or foreclose on that contract or cancel that contract. So you don't see a lot of it. Um, yeah, at least I haven't. Um, there is a lot, uh, you know, I mean, I would say that probably 45 to 55% of the, of the transactions around here are cash. And that's a problem when I'm working with, with a well-qualified buyer, let's say they're putting down 30% or something like that. And we prove that, um, they go in with an offer that's, you know, that's at the asking price or a little bit more, they often lose out to cash. Um, you know, I mean, there's just no arguing with that's going to close. So yeah, and people are waiving their inspections, and I think that's a bad idea for the buyer and for the seller because I just think that that invites potential lawsuits um, coming down the road if there's something wrong, you know. Um, and these houses are different construction than they are up north; they're mainly block, right? Um, but a lot of the roofs are tile. My roof is a is a clay tile roof, and uh, if I had to get a new roof, it would be about fifty to fifty-five thousand dollars. So it's not—it's—it's it's nowhere near um, the same cost as a as an asphalt roof. Um, so it's—you know—there there are a lot of things but, that. But the, life, be, the life expectancy of a roof like that is could be fifty to yeah, it is hundred years. It is. It's it's significantly longer for sure. Um, in my little development. Uh, I think our houses are in the 40s right now, and I'm starting to see, you know, roofs being plucked off and, 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 and done over again, and those are all the clay tile roofs. So, yeah. yeah. The other thing is, is that it's, you know, if a, if a house is $350,000, um, there's a better chance than not that it's going to have some kind of an association fee, you know, especially if it's in one of these gated communities. So, um and some of those fees can range from, I mean, like in our development here, it's $140 a month. But you can go, you know, to the development that's, you know, just a mile from here, and that fee jumps to $430 a month. And, you know, that's because we don't own a golf course. There is a golf course here, but we don't own it. The community doesn't own it. It's privately owned. And the other communities have golf courses that they own, and the expenses with keeping that add on... Um, you know, so I mean that that adds wildly to a, a number of, for qualification on a mortgage, you know. So there's a lot of other factors down here that that are that that, that people don't realize that we have to go through all those conversations. Um, but all in all, I mean the people that the people that live here buy a house here, um, 
they, they're very happy with it. Uh, oh, here, Gary, I have an idea. There, I, I, let me give you a story. So I sold um, a, new, a piece of new construction in an area called the Rotonda. Okay, and these folks are from the Minneapolis area. They're originally, uh, one of them is originally from um, Duluth. Uh, anyway, um, they, ha- they were under contract to have this house built about 13 months ago, and they just have the land cleared now. Okay? And I was talking to the builder's representative, and the construction cost or what they're charging for that same house now has gone up eighty-five thousand dollars in in that in that time frame. Um, and it's amazing. So I, I, I had the conversation with Rich, the buyer. I said, you know, we could stick a sign up in your yard. Um, you keep your contract intact. In, in and we could sell that probably for a hundred thousand dollars more than you paid for it. And I mean, they haven't started. They paid a down payment. That's it. But it's it's there. It's locked in. They're locked in at that price. So I thought that yeah. that was amazing. Well, it's phenomenal what's going on with all the shortages of materials. And, and quite frankly, Jim, new construction is one of the the biggest unknowns when it comes to the real estate market nationally. And and the big the big unknown in this is the materials, and they and and then and then you add to that is the demand for new houses is so strong right. that this this is something that could be going on for the next several years um, once the, the um, supply chain issues uh, you know start to ease. Yeah, all so right, Gary, we got we got a we got to hold up right there and take a break here. So we'll come back and talk some more. You're tuned in to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher from Remax. I work for Remax down here in Punta Gorda, Florida, and Gary's up in the Duluth Superior area. If you want to reach me and talk about housing down here, the line number is area code 218 348 Seven six five three and Gary, why don't you give out your phone number? I'm at two one eight three nine zero zero six one five, Jim. All right. So we were talking about the crazy market and the crazy increases in uh, in valuations down here, um, and how the uh, the the whole country is still on a on a very very increase, a very steep increase in in home values. Um, so Gary, I wanted to ask you, what's your personal opinion? Do you think that we are going to ease in in in, in values, and when do you think that's going to hurt? I mean, when do you think that's going to occur? Excuse me. I think we are in this market for the foreseeable future, and foreseeable future, I think, could be the next three to five years. Yep. Now, if these interest rates, one thing that will happen is if the interest rates continue to climb. Uh, and let's say they start approaching 5%. Right. Really what that will do is it, it won't necessarily stifle activity, but it will begin to price people out of the market. Right. And, and so one of the interesting uh, things that you look at as far as some of the uh, the numbers that go in the indicators is the amount of multifamily units that are still being constructed across the country. Right, yeah, exactly. We have a lot of that as well going on. So, you know, it's one of the things that we've talked about up here is like, 
you know, when's the sat- when does the saturation uh, point occur for apartments? So part of me thinks, hmm, is this related with the, with the rise in interest rates with the amount of money being pumped into building new multifamily housing units across the country? They're going to have to fill those. And so having people eliminated from the pool of buyers when you're buying a house, what are they going to do? They don't own a house, they're going to have to rent. So as you as you start to raise interest rates and you begin to price people out of the marketplace, they have to have some type of, of shelter, some type of house. And it seems to make sense that who's ever pulling the strings out there doing this, you know, is this something to that they're planning on? It's like, hey, we're going to raise interest rates. We'll price these people out of the market. They have to rent. You know, we'll fill our units and life will be good. Now, I don't know if that's the case, but it's just something to think about. Well, and I, I do think, you know, I do believe them when they say that they're raising the interest rates because the economy is so strong um, to try to curb inflation. Like, uh, I mean, that is that's what they're saying all over the place when they're talking about interest rates and why they're going up. So, yeah, I hear you. And the, the end result is is it, it's very difficult. What we have going on down here is. You know, people who have been renting for years, let's say they're renting a single family house, they've been renting it for five or six years. Those owners are now saying, you know what? There's a lot of profit in my little rental that I have. I think I want to take that. And then they put that house on the market, give those people notice that they have to move and they can't find anything to replace it with. So that has been written about in the papers down here several times. People are getting pushed out of their rental units and then they can't find anything that's similar or, or affordable for, for, for what they're used to. Um, and that, that's affecting everything, and they're forced to move further and further away. And, and they say ultimately it's affecting um, the, the, you know, the, the jobs and the lack of people to work some of the jobs around here. So, and I know that's the same, it's the same case in, in the Duluth area. You know, I mean, if you want a job, you certainly can get it, right? But, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a scary thought that you know people are being priced out of what they can afford to even rent. You know. So, anyway. And 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 I would and I would venture to say this. Then you look at the the cost of rents, and paying rent is sometimes a lot more expensive than a right. housing payment. And so, uh, you know, you know what's going to happen with that? I mean, people are going to be forced to have even less. You know. Uh, money that they can go spend on you know whatever right um and so interesting to i'll tell you this like a a real example is is i've got a couple of friends that are staying not too far from me and um they've come for several years in a row and typically they he'll they'll find a house for fifteen eighteen hundred dollars a month rented for a couple of months in the winter and then and then they're good to go this year that price doubled. So for the same style, the same size house and stuff, he's now paying thirty six hundred dollars a month. Um, and it's not a very big house; it's not a very fancy house. Um, but it's it's in the warm weather, and he's uh, my friend is from Appleton, and he's out of the cold. So yeah, it's 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 crazy how much all of that kind of pricing has increased. Yeah, Jim. A couple of local stories up here I'd like to get to is. Uh one of them is the, uh, the there's a, uh, you know, Lakeside, the Lakeside neighborhood has, you can now have alcohol. 
they abolished the uh, no alcohol rule a few years ago. Right. Uh, and there's been a couple of liquor stores that have popped up there, but but there's also a brewery that has uh, is going to be coming online soon. And a couple yeah. of years ago, you you read about this, and this couple was going to start this. And uh, there's been some, some some stories written about this recently. And what they're opening up is going to be called a brew tell, like brew tell brewery and hotel brew tell, and they've come up with a great idea I think here right. and so they're, they're going to have this craft brewery company and, and actually the people bought it's Lake Superior Brewing and, and this young couple bought the name uh, from the Lake Superior Brewing Company which was one of the original uh, craft brewing companies up here when all that started to explode in the early 90s and so they bought this uh, old tanning apartment place out in Lakeside. I think it's on 50, between 53rd and 54th Avenue East on Superior Street. And they've completely renovated this thing into what's going to be their brewery. It's going to, they're going to serve food. But then they also got a new twist to this and it's going to be, uh, I think they've got an apartment and it's going to be like VRBO. Right. And, uh, they've been pumping money into this thing right less left, they've said, for the last couple of years, and it's time for them to get online. They're still not quite here, there, there yet. But um, being one of those guys, I'm a, I'm a real summer biker, and I bike that lake walk in that area, and I've watched this thing evolve over the last couple of summers. And so I'm excited to see what this thing brings, and I think this is a great idea something that you don't see with these crab brewers it's just a whole new little twist to it and i gotta believe that this lake walk is going to be a good source of of traffic for them and then you add in the the vrbo element to that and i think they've got themselves a good little uh idea here and i and i wish them all the success uh you know moving forward and the other thing is related to vrbos in the city of duluth and I think there's still a huge, strong demand, Jim, for, for these VRBOs. And let me know when, when we're running out of time. We've got, we've got another, another uh, minute. Okay. Um, there's a lot of confusion by people. People are still interested in buying the VRBOs, buying properties for BRO, BRO, VRBOs. And I just had a situation to where a couple called me and they said, hey, we want to go look at this house. It was down in the London, the London Road area. And uh, they said, we want to start a VRBO. And I said, ah, I don't think you can get a VRBO, though. VRBO there. And they said, yeah, we can. We talked to the city. The guy sent us this email. This was back in November. And they said that we can do it. And so uh, she sent me the email. And I read the email. And, and I looked. And I said, nah, I, I don't interpret it this way. And uh, she's like, well, that's, that doesn't make any sense. He told us we could have one. I said, yeah, you can have one. If you approve the license, I said, you got to go through the lottery. You got to go through, you know, you put your application in and they, they're only taking 10 a year now. Uh, and they've already used 10 up for this year. And it may, it could be two, three, four years before you get approved for one. And she went silent. And I don't think she, she believed it, but it's true. You can get VRBOs, um, but you have to put the application in. However, however, there is, when it comes to zoning, there is a zoning in Duluth called the F zoning, and it's a, what we call the F districts. Right. And you can have a property in an F district or a foreign district, 
And there is no cap on, on the VRBOs in those districts. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so if you're within a, a form district, and there are some form districts that encroach pretty close to some of these residential areas. Right. So if you know, if you understand the zoning and where you are in the city and you're in a form district and you want to get into the, the uh, VRBO business, look into those districts because there are people that are already doing this and uh, there is no cap on the VRBOs and uh, it's still a strong market, right. Jim. All right, Gary, we got to cut it right there. Folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. We'll be right back to wrap it up. Join KDAL Sunday mornings today for the Lutheran Hour with Lutheran Hour Ministries. See the full schedule, and if you miss it, you can listen to the weekly podcast at KDAL610.com. For more than 80 years, 610 and FM 103.9, KDAL. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronding, Gary Callagher here from REMAX. Folks, if you want to reach me, give me a call down here in Florida at 218 218- Three four eight seven six five three and Gary. I'm at two one eight three nine zero zero six one five. All right, so we were talking about VRBOs in Duluth, and you know, I, I've I've gone on that site several times just to just to look around and see what is for rent in the Twin Ports because um, we're, we're planning on coming to visit from time to time, and and um, it'd be kind of I actually want to end up up the shore. But it's amazing um, when you type in Duluth, you come in with a lot of properties that are outside of the city limits. Um, so those people are capitalizing. You just get out of just get out of Duluth city limits. Um, you know, normally you can find something to rent. So I, I think that would be a good investment for folks as well, huh? I think it is, and I think it's a strong market. Uh, uh, and so I think people are still actively wanting to do this. Um, um, I wish the city would again open up a little bit and, and loosen the restrictions on these things. But but I think they have, and I think people just have to become more aware of where you can have these things right. because there are. I think there are plenty of properties to accommodate people wanting to invest in in these VRBOs, but they're oh, yeah. just not aware of it. And you know, it's the same thing down here. I've had many calls from people saying, "I want to buy several properties and just create VRBOs," and I'm like, "Well." It's not that easy, and and you're, what you're talking about with the city having a limit on the number of the of units they can have in the city, and then they have a lottery down here. Um, like we were talking earlier in the, in another segment, a lot of these are communities that have uh, they share they share amenities and they pay for common amenities like lawn mowing and stuff. And these communities, and then you pay you pay an association fee to be part of it. These communities can self rule and. Um, they can throw out the idea of a VRBO immediately, and they do. Um, they start by saying you have to have a leave. If you're going to rent it, that's fine. It has to be at least 31 days. There are several things. A lot of them are, you know, it's a minimum of, of three months for a rental. So um, it's very controlled down here just in another way. Yeah. we well, got about I, another I minute. Much, okay. Well, Jim, let's close this out and just say, you know, it was a big football weekend last weekend. Oh, yeah. Packers lost. It was an unbelievable game. Unbelievable football uh, games last weekend, like to the tune that I've never seen. Kansas City, Buffalo, Tampa, and L.A. Um, and, but the Packers-San Francisco game, I don't know if you watched that. Yeah. What a game, and what an ending. I mean, it's just yeah. one of those things, unfortunate what, that it ended like that. What mistakes. I mean, that's two years in a row, in my opinion, that the Packers made huge mistakes at the end. Just crazy mistakes, but... 
Well, it's surprising because they're a well-run organization. I, they do yeah. a lot of good things. And, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that, that it's over. But, but did, also they, did they fire their that, special teams coach? That's what I would be curious about. Well, they've lost their offensive coordinator now. He's the new coach of Denver. And um, uh, the Vikings have a new general manager. And right, I saw that. Getting a new coach as well. So it uh, be interesting to see moving forward what the um, local football landscape looks like. All right, Gary, one last time to give out your phone number, and then we got to get out. 218-390-0615. All right, you want to reach me in Florida, 218-348-7653. And uh, that's it. A couple more good weekends of football, and then we'll be out of that too. Thanks for listening to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. We'll be back next week.